Welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Sufert. Today I am speaking with Conrad McGee-Stocks. Conrad is an interdisciplinary strategist whose expertise spans data infrastructure, qualitative marketing, and growth strategy. Currently the Director of Growth, Conrad oversees user acquisition, ad monetization, and marketing infrastructure at UKEN Games. UKEN's recent top grossing games include Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Jeopardy World Tour, and Bingo Pop, which was acquired by Jam City. I've known Conrad for a number of years and have always been impressed with his ability to context switch between high-level strategic thinking and hands-on tactical execution. Conrad is one of the most analytically-minded marketers I've met in mobile, and I wanted to discuss what it means to be a quantitative marketer and how he sees that role changing in the coming years as the fusion between product and user acquisition becomes more pronounced. Please enjoy this conversation with Conrad McGee-Stocks. Conrad, how are you doing? Great, Eric. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, where are you located at the at this moment? At this moment, in my uh, in my spare bedroom, which has become my office since the start of COVID in uh, Toronto, Canada. Toronto, Canada. Great. The six. I've never been. I still need to. I still need to get up there for. Uh, well, you know, for whatever reason. We'll see if uh, if any if any uh, conferences still exist after after this like. Uh, after this sort of like period of no activity, I don't know how many of them are going to be able to hang on. The one, yeah, the one year, the one year survival mark. I mean, I feel like GDC is still going to be around, but I don't know if we're going to be doing any game connect dailies after this. Yeah. Well, the top tier will probably, but like, yeah, the second tier that everyone just sort of like had to really struggle to make a justification for expensing. Those are probably (laughs) not coming back. Yeah. Actually, I think the last time we, We've known each other for many years. I think the last time we saw each other in person was at MAU, like April 2019, right? Yeah, that would have been maybe in the summer for a Google event. But I think MAU 2019 would 100% be the last guaranteed time. Yeah. Um, Well, we were supposed to meet up in March for South by Southwest, but that ultimately was canceled. But I had that event that was going on right before that. And you were going to come in for South by Southwest. And actually impressively, you were one of like the longest holdouts because everyone started, you know, I had this event planned and you were going to come. And then I was doing the party for, for mobile dev memo for South by Southwest and everyone started bailing because of COVID. And you were like one of the last to bail. I think you were like, no, we're coming. We're going to make it work. I don't think it, 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 we're really committed. And then it was like, it was at the point where it was like, okay, this is like a severe health risk um, where you were like, okay, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I can't come. But you, you were, you were, you were committed, very committed yeah. to coming. I think I, I think we held on a pretty long time. I think it was literally maybe like five days prior. It was okay. Um, or, or I think the sequencing events was like NBA cancels. And then at our office as a studio, we decided everyone's going to go remote immediately. And that was kind of like, okay, that it was really serious. It's like, okay, this is clearly not happening. At least that's how in my mind I remember it. But yeah, I remember holding on quite for, I was like, okay, now we're going to get this under control. Everything's going to be fine. There's definitely, yeah. Can you give a little bit of, I, so I just introduced you in the intro. Can you give uh, like a very short summary of your background and what you do now? Yeah, for sure. Um, mobile game UA, quantitative performance marketing for the last five, six years. Uh, it's a high level, but I mean, everything that touches performance marketing and in mobile specifically, ad monetization, but uh, and some background in analytics and stuff like that as well. A big focus on, uh, on UA. And I think one of the, um, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this, and I thought you were you know, a great candidate for this topic was that you're very hands-on right so that's one of the things that i'm kind of most impressed with about you is you know whenever we talk is that you run a team but you're also kind of very connected to the work right so um i think a lot of people at the kind of leadership level with user acquisition they kind of abstract away a lot of things um that are that are really relevant right and i think for for that reason and we'll get into this in a little bit but i think for that reason um, a lot of companies have been pretty slow to adapt to the changes that that you know we're going to sort of discuss later on in the in the podcast. But have they've been they've been slow to adapt to the kind of changing landscape and the changing sort of approach that's needed uh, as a result of the, the the that landscape having changed. And and I think um, you know your attachment to that sort of that 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 the very kind of like core functional work 
probably has has made you one of the fastest to adapt the, of the people that I know and speak to frequently. I praise. I'll take well, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll get into a little bit more detail there. Um, I think maybe a good place to start is uh, just kind of framing the discussion around what do you what do you how do you how do you think direct response marketing kind of conceptually is differentiated from brand marketing, right? If you think about direct response marketing, what your goal is, what your sort of definition, definition of success is, what your sort of like, um, what your sort of KPIs are, but, but more, more than just the KPIs, like the kind of in indicators that you're doing a good job. How do you think those two things are differentiated? Good question. Uh, I think there's probably, I, I, I put like four buckets out and then maybe you can like dive into each of the four buckets. I'd say, I mean, maybe overarching is attitude, attitude, measurability, creative, and then the qualitative versus quantitative nature, I think is kind of how you could group each of these things. Um, measurability, I think is a big one. You know, when you think about brand marketing versus direct response, obviously direct response is very, and, and also I should caveat some of my answers are going to be I think I'm very clearly in the direct response category more so than I am a brand marketer. So I think some of this comes with a little bit of bias, but I would say that measurability, like real measurability is more on the direct response side. Um, I think on the brand marketing thing, there's a, a creative level that maybe a lot of, perf that you know, I don't think you see as much of or as much pride in, in the direct response side. Maybe that also could be, there could be a little bias in there. Um, and then I, I think the attitude towards a lot of these things in terms of like what works and what gets results and how those results are thought about both on the marketing team and then also inside of the organization as a whole. Um, and then I think there's a ton of, uh, you, you tend to see, I think like more data literacy, more um, technical acumen, and at least in my experience, um, on the direct response side. That's not to say that there aren't really, really sophisticated um, brand marketing folks out there, uh, like measuring incrementality on, like, with multi-touch attribution is a huge challenge, so I don't want to say that it's like, you know, this is only something that exists for in direct response, but I think that that's what I would say if you zoomed out, like, from the industry as a whole. Yeah, think I think that's... That? I think that's right. I, so I, I, I was very kind of deliberate here to use, I think a lot of times you hear people talk about like brand versus performance, right? Which just, that's a, that's a, that's almost creating like this, um, this sort of like false choice that doesn't actually exist, right? This kind of false dichotomy that doesn't actually exist, I think, at big successful companies, because every brand marketer that I've known at a big successful company is a performance marketer. That's not, that's not the distinction that I was very careful here to use the terms brand marketing and direct response marketing. And I think part of it, part of direct, part of, part of what goes into it, as you said, you know, there is a creative component to brand um, that, that I think maybe uh, you could argue is missing in a lot of direct response. And I mean, even if we, even if we just say, look, we're, we're talking, the parameters are like, let's say the boundaries of this conversation are mobile, right? Mobile first yeah. consumer tech companies. Right. So even if we, even if we sort of like, um, we limit the scope of the conversation to just that, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the best brand marketers I've seen are super, super quantitative, right? They're, they're very, very sort of methodical in the way that they think about measurement. Um, it's just that direct response has been easier, right? I would say it's easier, yes. easier in terms of measurement because it's, it's so directly and immediately and demonstrably measurable. And so it's harder to be a performance brand marketer. And so I think a lot of times, like when you talk to a brand marketer who's really, really performance driven, it's not like, hey, this brand marketing guy, you're just thinking like, wow, this, this person is really sharp and they're just like uh, really adept at measurement. And you, you wouldn't, you, and they probably also are running direct response because, um, you know, they, just because they can, right? There's, there's, yeah. there, there doesn't need to be a boundary put between those two sort of uh, those two sort of functions. Yeah, like I think one doesn't preclude the other. I think that's an I think that distinction gets lost a lot. Where you could still build a brand while doing direct response. Mm -hmm. Like you can still engage in brand marketing while doing a direct response. Maybe now we're just debate, debating semantics, but I think that right. there is like a, a big part of that. At least maybe in mobile first. Like there's no reason that you can't be really successful leading direct response 
while doing well while building brand. Right. And I think that that's like, and even if we like look at okay, so like what is like when we think about like what is what are we talking about with like the the brand building like consistency, the you know user perception of value, like those things that I are what I'm kind of terming as brand in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that for existing properties, but then also quantifying that for stuff that you want to license, right? Yeah. And, and that very much is uh, at the heart of any kind of discussion I've had when, when that's been, um, when that's been on the table is, you know, how do, how, how, let's try to quantify the value of this brand for direct response, right? Like how does that, how does that actually privilege our direct response ads? The, the, the click-through rate increases, um, the sort of the, the general kind of virality, um, the kind of, uh, willingness to, to sort of, uh, spend money and, and be engaged, like all that stuff. If, if there's a good overlap between the kind of core content of the app and the brand, all that stuff has benefited right from the, it can be, um, yeah. but I think it's what, what I think is in, so like kind of the, the context for this, this conversation is obviously all the idea phase stuff. And I, I don't want to get into that. Uh, but just, be, just because it's, I, I'm tired of talking about it. Um, sure. but, but I think what, what has happened with that, and I think that, that intro question is a nice segue, your answer to that intro question is a nice segue, um, into this next topic is that, you know, there, there does, there does not need to be a distinction and maybe there cannot be a distinction anymore between brand type like brand level thinking within the performance framework and direct response level thinking within a performance framework because that illusion of um of discrete deterministic measurability uh has basically evaporated right with with the idfa going away right and i, I say it's an illusion because and i've written about this a bunch i don't want to go too deep in the details but like there really was no deterministic uh identifier for the last two years right i mean lat was launched in 2016 LAT rates are 40% in the U.S. Um, all the self-attributed networks basically front run. For sure. For many reasons. Yeah. So, for so, many reasons, you can say that it's not a thing. And, and so I think, and just not just to provide a little bit of background there, but if, if people want to get deeper into the weeds, there's there's a lot of resources on mobile dev memo. But I think now the 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 way a UA team approaches this is not going to be that different from how a really sophisticated kind of like really rigorously quantitative brand marketer would approach this, like going into this, into this period, right? Into this new epoch. What, do, you, yeah. do you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. Like my, like my personal playbook, you know, over the last call it six months, this is the last thing you know, we can talk about iOS 14. But the first thing I did is, you know, like flip open the, you know, the role, the virtual Rolodex and let, and I was trying to figure out who are the most sophisticated brand marketers that I know, because I'm now kind of running there. A modified version of their playbook, or I need to understand, you know, what are the blind spots that I've had um, that maybe somebody who's really sophisticated on that side is doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. Well, it's it's funny because if you think about I, my my when when you throw around the term like brand, it's usually and if you think about like going to a conference or something and there's like a brand and I did this at an MAU last year, brand versus performance marketing. It's it's just meant it's almost meant as setting up this like like a dunk contest on brand. yeah you know what i mean it's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, it yeah. because but but only because there are so many bad brand marketers in mobile like that i've come across and of you know of course i'm not going to name any names here but like i just have run into and, and and you know it's not not that they're bad people or whatever it's just like people that were were basically imported from a totally different environment right yeah totally and then, right for the purpose of applying their playbook to that product that mobile first product where it just there was just no sort of like um no sort of like relevance or, or no no sort of like uh it that's in a way that's not in the service of the app and so you just you know running into people who are just like no 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 you know we just need to get the word out and and you know it's just all about i'm just buying impressions i don't care about results i'm doing brand marketing and that's kind of like the sentence they use and it's sort of like right. this cover almost for right for, right and so the folks. association the association just became that kind of like laziness or um yeah. that sort of sure. lack lack of like measurement but but obviously it's the case like you know like i said you know brand and performance marketing aren't uh aren't foils to each other it's it's the the opposite of performance marketing is 
non-performance marketing or whatever, you know, there, there is no sort of, um, there, there's no sort of like bucket that encapsulates that kind of mentality. Brand marketing can be as performance mark, you know, as performance based as anything else. But, but what had happened is yeah. just the proliferation of like these bad ideas, um, you know, under the banner of brand, brand marketing just gave it a really, really bad name. Right. And so, you know, that's why like it almost just became um, like uh, just a, you know, uh, a, a, not a, a five letter, four letter word. Right. I mean, it was just like, yeah, this, for sure. It, it became seen as this concept that you just no serious person would try to champion. Um, but now people are, are, are going to have to embrace those methods. Like when done well, like those methods are a lot more sophisticated than the just sort of like simple counting mechanisms that, you know, that, yeah, last click. that we'd been able to rely on exactly with last click um, and the IDFA. But, but, you know, it was an illusion that those were real anyway. Like those, don't, those didn't capture value, yep. um, you know, and not in the way that they did when the IDFA was first rolled out. And so like this kind of idea of, of brand is actually something that people have to like learn, you know, from, from yeah. first principles because it, you know, their, their idea of like the brand marketing person was like some, somebody who worked at Cheerios or whatever, somebody worked at, uh, at, at Clorox and now they're like, you know, they were brought in to be CMO and then, you know, kind of like almost in a belittling way, a lot of times like, Oh, that's cute that you guys are doing this performance stuff, but let the real marketing people get like the, the, the big <laughs> budgets. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it, it's interesting to see this, this kind of, uh, this, this sort of, uh, tide tide change. Uh, but, um, so I think it's, 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 you know, now thinking about like, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that like in practical terms, what does that mean? Like, well, this mentality is changing. The frameworks are changing. What are those frameworks? Like, how do you, how do you think about that? Like, how, how are you thinking about this kind of new world that we're entering? And what do you think are those tools that, that you get to, you know, sort of carry over and what are tools that you have to like build from scratch to sort of, to, to kind of, uh, you know, to, to sort of thrive in this new environment? Yeah, that's, I think there's I think there's a lot of things that change, and I think you know whether or not they were already the case, and now you just don't really have the sort of crutch of last click and crutch of view through to rely on, and then you have to do some more work. Um, so I think uh, the thing that I've been looking at a lot uh, is how we're going to do more incrementality with running channels. So if I compare, let's say mobile first, um, how many channels you're running and what you're doing on all of the channels. I think the big challenge that I've seen, at least personally for us, is in running um, more traditional media mix models. Um, like, so that's the thing. How, how are we going to build a, a sophisticated media mix model to account for some of the work that we're doing and to sort of butt up against everything else? I, the challenges that I've thought about for that specifically um, have been really around how we're going to change. So actually take a step back, answer your question, media mix models, incrementality, two tool sets. Um, and I think I'm just spending now more time day to day writing Python and thinking about uh, our entire BI stack or our entire like justification for how I spend money than I was maybe six months ago. Because I can feel some of these changes coming. But and also because six months ago that stuff was built, right? And you know. Exactly. So, so but how, how much of that, so like how much of that is because it was built by you and how much of that was because, well, there's vendors with tools that do a good job of this and I don't need to build it. Right. Because in this new, in this new paradigm, I mean, there are no vendors ready to just ship a product here. Right. And there, there, there are vendors that should be ready, but there, there really aren't that any that are ready. And so like For how sure. much of this, how much of this do you think you can rely on? Cause I think when I, when I speak to a lot of people about this, they're like, well, yeah, this is uh, this is tough. This is uh, this is a uh, this is a really sticky situation. So I hope yeah I hope I, I hope mean, the vendors you know come out with something soon. And I talked to some people you know who basically basically are just depending on these products coming to market that are going to help them uh, do this kind of marketing. And then I talked to some other people like no no vendor is going to be ready with a solution before the end of 2021. We've got to build our own. Like where do you fall between those? Oh, two camps? build your build your own for sure. Like I think that that's like almost a foregone conclusion. Like. I think the, the, I just don't see how you don't do your own. I mean, that's sort of the approach that I took with a lot of things. So like cost segregation, right or wrong. Um, I wrote part of it early on just to like validate, oh, can we do this and does this make sense? Um, and I think that like, you're gonna see the same thing. I think it's gonna take a while, you know, like 
a while for people to catch up, even if I look back and say like, okay, what are things that are like core to our team's operation or like a mobile first UA team's operations? Like um, cost, cost attribution at the creative level um, is a huge, I, I think that's probably like the biggest one. That and you know, if you have a game, if we're talking specifically about games or any product that monetizes with ads, how you're, how you're thinking about that revenue alongside um, your in-app purchase revenue and how that all feeds into the decisions you're making from a buying standpoint. But um, in any scenario, I think that you're building it your own, whether you're working with, because um, I think there's like a number of tools you could build, but the biggest one is like what you're going to do with the SKI network data and how you're going to build your models around um, uh, the six-bit conversion bet. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're circling that we're circling the vortex of iOS 14. The but yeah, I think that's well, that's I mean, we, ha we have to because this instigated everything. I mean, not, not again, it's like true. I'll go back to, to my comment, and I've been writing about this stuff since 2017, but so to, well, 2016 really like this trend of that you can't trust this so called like deterministic data, you've got to For be sure. building models on top of that, and this idea that you know, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll just kind of plant a flag in this like but the idea that the growth team is evolving such so here, here's the here's the irony of this whole thing right so my i i had been kind of um i've been i had been kind of like obsessed with this idea that the re, the, the growth team was uh kind of bleeding into the product team so if, if, you, if you kind of think about like the user life cycle and yep. traditionally how that user life cycle had been broken up um, and addressed by different sort of like uh, di different kind of like functional areas within the company. Like the advertising team sourced users. They brought users into the app and then the product team sort of like exposed some content to them, right? And those were like um, almost like Chinese walled, right? Like th there was very little overlap between those two teams. And I'm, I'm going back to like, you know, 2012 to 2014, 15, right? And then sure. what happened was that the platforms got so good at, being able to sort of hyper-target um, seg relevant segments of audience and then test creatives against those hyper-targeted set relevant segments um, to bring in like the best users that were the, the capable of, that were capable of monetizing to the to the greatest extent and yeah. and um, and sort of acquiring them with the best performing creative and doing all of that kind of in an automated way that the the acquisition team didn't have to touch that the kind of core focus of the acquisition team didn't moved from like, hey, let's just like, we're going to create a bunch of campaigns and try to um, try to do that audience segmentation and definition ourselves and then test creative against that because all that got automated. So the user, the core sort of purpose of the user acquisition team sort of like um, extended beyond that uh, frontier of the acquisition point and into the product to then find the best events that uh, yes. evoked like the kind of most signal um, that would allow the, the that would allow those algorithms to to sort of um, to tune right to sort of converge, um, and so that became the core focus of the UA team. And well, that obviously overlapped a lot with what product was doing, right? And but but that was facilitated by these um, that was facilitated by the hyper segmentation um, that was all made possible by the IDFA, right? Um, and so yep. that 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 bleeding together all was made possible by the IDFA because then the platforms were able to aggregate all these events around the IDFA and they know who monetized and they were able to put them in into those segments on at the basis of like a single user, right? Well, that, now the irony is that 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 sort of that sort of bleeding or that sort of like uh, that that kind of uh, convergence or, or that that kind of like um, uh, uh, you know uh, subsumation is going to be even accelerated now in the idfa the sort of post idfa environment and, you know obviously for different reasons right now there's because now everything is driven by those events because all the only signal you get at all from uh, of, of campaign performance is from that event that that comes at the campaign level right so yeah. it's almost like it's it gets accelerated but for just the the, the totally opposite reason of the sort of the, that you know that that motivated the original trend which is that you will, well, you now now before you got a bunch of different signals and the, the and those signals were used by the platforms to do all this hyper targeting. And so then you just sort of abstracted that away to them and didn't have to think about it. And now all that was left was to sort of identify these signals to try to get to see if these different users would trigger them. And if they did, it was good. And user and then Facebook would go and find more users like that. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. There's no hyper targeting. So now you're only doing targeting at the demo level, basically. And so the signal is all you get. The only way you know 
that this campaign is good or bad is this one signal that you that you're able to capture in conversion value. So now there's, there's the idea is setting up that whole funnel and identifying those things and finding a way to capture as much sort of information in that signal as possible is the job of the UA team. And then all the, the mechanics are just setting up the campaign. So like that trend just got totally accelerated, right? And, and there's, now, the there's also the huge overlap between in the conversion value. So like, you know, exactly like that, that I think is where we're going to see even, and I think that's what you're talking about, that, that acceleration of both teams yeah. working together because you've got 64 different events that you can cram into that six bit value or 63. Yeah. Um, to figure out like and out of that you know you have to get campaign performance you have to get like how much am i willing to well you don't have to but how much am i willing to spend over this time horizon right. like, all these things you can get and i think that's going to be that's a huge opportunity because people who could do that better than everybody else in the first three months assuming the same competitive product are going to be able to outspend yeah. them right 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 yeah and i think that's huge right for these for these broad segments right these broad demo defined segments and so it's like this that trend just got like it's you know uh, it, it went into hyperdrive, right? Because of this, yeah. but you know, along the same, along the same kind of like workflow path, but for just totally different reasons. And so now, um, it's like, that's, that's the whole reason for being for the UA team almost because like, well, anybody could just set up like nine campaigns in Facebook. That's not like hard, right? I mean, yeah. just mechanically, it's pretty easy to do. Um, and so now the whole, the whole purpose of this team is to kind of, um, parse out that signal right from the conversion value um and that's now that's just a different that's a different team that the composition of that team is like fundamentally different than it was 2019 right i mean even even as that trend was happening even as teams were getting slimmer and they were getting sort of like more analytically focused like this that hyperdrive jump uh I, I forget what it's called when they do it in star trek when they just like they uh it's called the hyperdrive yeah, right? like, but anyway um that's happening and now, like, I, you know, now a team is just going to be totally, totally fundamentally different from what it looked like before. Yeah, so that, that kind of team composition is just totally changing now. Um, so I don't know, it's, it just feels, it feels like it was, you know, it was a moment that we were kind of trending towards, but it just got accelerated by this, this change. And now, um, you know, now, now everything as a result is just happening to ha is, is ha has to happen sort of on a much faster, much, much shorter timeline than probably yeah. most people anticipated. But there were a lot of people that didn't anticipate it at all, right? I'm sorry, the original trend. Who, yeah, who are the not original observing that same trend. For sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people, even if you just look at the way a lot of people were building teams, I, I think that that didn't, I think that that wasn't changing. Like, I think that now, if, if I think about like, okay, what's a, what's a really great team now? Way fewer UA managers, way fewer um, folks on that side. And you've got way more, you know, like I think too, the one thing that's been a constant through all this is the requirement for really high quality creative and a team that can continue to produce a lot um, and then the other piece is, yeah, you need more people on the data side and I think the engineering side. Like when I think about a UA team, I think about it's like, you know, three parts creative uh, or it's like if I take a small team, it's like three creative, one data science, one analyst, one media buyer, and then an engineer. Like engineering, I think, like just if we think about um, – if I rewind a little bit and we look at like the last four or five years, I think a lot of teams really started to succeed on the UA side when there was dedicated dedicated creative on the team. So I think yeah. that you know when you had um, when you had teams where you know they had to go to the internal studio like kind of pool of creative and say, hey, we want to make yeah. these campaigns. We think they're going to be great. You know, they'd hear, oh, cool. You know, talk to us in three weeks. And it's like, no, no, I need those yesterday. Like I want to run yeah. five, six, seven, eight creative tests depending on the scale. Um, and I think that just, you know, you saw things accelerate way more. And I think what's going to continue is, you know, whether it's on, you know, whether, whatever you call the role, but just people who are talented, who can code and who can architect reasonably well. And I also think you're going to get more like people on the, you know, data engineering side, like on the team or much closer to the studios, you know, dev sort of backend-esque resources. Like, I think that's going to continue to happen. Like, yeah, media buying is just getting easier. The, the, the challenges on the data side, like those challenges aren't changing, but it's just that media buys get easier. Well, me, media buying just got, you know, in order of magnitude easier, right? Yeah, it's, and it's now just a button you press. 
Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, like it's um, it's almost like trivial, right? The idea of like going and manage campaigns. I think. Well, going back to kind of just we we got a little bit sidetracked for we were having a, we're 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 moving towards um, we're moving towards a kind of part of the topic um, around like third party vendors being able to provide these tools in a way that um, in in a way that sort of offloads that functionality from the team. I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I know a lot of companies are claiming they're gonna be able to do this, but to my mind, like, how does a company, so if, if all of the value, if all of the value of this work, right, or like some substantial proportion, you know, is identifying those values, how could a third party company do that? Right? Yeah, I mean, can't. that'd be like a consulting company, but that's not a SaaS product. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there's no, it, it's so tied to, it. one, it's so tied to the game, like, or not even the game product. I just jump to games first. It's just so tied to the product and like what your proxies of value are. And I think you have to have a, a, a deep understanding of that. And I also think there's meaningful trade-offs in, in, in terms of how you instrument that, like orders of magnitude practically. And so if you choose to just take the generic, oh, well, this is clearly the best situation, I think that's going to have huge changes. And so like I can't see how, how a third party could offer those. And I think that's why on a team you need those people who both understand the exercise of performance marketing and who understand the and who have like technical capacity because like yeah. like even just like if you take if you venn diagram out the people that understand um bit masking and what a six bit event means and how many things yeah. you can put in that and then also on the other hand understands ua like i think that's a a, a smaller slice and i think that yeah that that's kind of required it feels like to me right and th i mean again this was we were kind of moving in this direction right because i mean people were you know, teams were realizing like, wow, part of what, part of the UA team's remit is finding these events in the app that capture meaningful sort of like value signal and passing those back to Facebook, right? Passing those back to Google and optimizing campaigns for those things. Um, the difference here though, is that there's a, t there's like a, an urgency in terms of like when that gets, there's, there's, first of all, there's the whole timer loop of IDFA, uh, sort yep. of a SCAD network um, that just sort of dictates, you know, what your sort of um, timeline is for capturing this stuff. And then, you know, there's, there's the idea that this isn't necessarily a discrete event, right? Like I'm not mapping 0000001 to an event that exists. That could be, I, I, I've, I've said, you know, this, this, these six bit values, they could be mapped to an event. I don't think that's the right way to go. They could be mapped to a user state. That's another, that's a different, that's a totally different concept, or they could be mapped to a prediction of user value, which again is a totally different concept, right? And so now yep. you're thinking about like, well, I'm not trying to find some discrete event in the app. I'm trying to actually not, well, I'm trying A, uh, to sort of map this to some sort of signal of value, right? And then, well, then what's the next sort of like um, the logical extension of that work is I'm actually trying to build it, 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 something to capture that value in the app, right? So I'm not just necessarily trying to like observe these things that exist and, you know, use like cumulative event path or like you know some sort of estimate of value yeah. i'm actually trying to build something that indicates that value like let me build let me let me let me let me wag the dog with the tail and put something in the app and engineer this thing in the app that i know uh would surface you know only yeah if you do this valuable. you are valuable right exactly right and so almost to reverse that uh conditional probability and so that's just a totally different that's a totally different job right i mean that's not that's not Hey, I'm in Facebook ads manager all day. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think like there also, there, like, there's a sensitivity between like, Hey, I'm not in Facebook's ad, ad manager all day because I think that there need, there's like a nuance on the other side as well. Like there also has to be like on the product side, you have to, Oh, I know what Facebook's ad manager is. And I, uh, like, I understand right. what you do. Like there's a mutual understanding here because I think on the product side, the irony of, of, of sort of just saying like, okay, users are going to be acquired. It's going to be scaled. It's just going to happen. And all I need to do is just optimize this product to generate as much revenue or as much value as possible. And I think there's also, it's, it's funny that like we're sort of trending more to the UA is going to be easier, but it's going to impact how product is going to operate more in that they will influence the capacity and the ability uh, of, of people running UA and, 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 the product is going to in more ways now determine how much scale right. can can be run right, right. Yeah, like exactly. a like a well instrumented like a like a, a system that produces um clear value or, or a system that is going to make clear future value mm -hmm. 
um, is going to be far more competitive and and better able to uh, and better able better able to scale than the exact same app that is instrumented differently. Like you could have something that advertise that monetizes at the average cost of inventory the same, but I think that if one is in- instrumented differently, it will be able to you know it'll be uh, a huge advantage. No, no, a hundred percent. What's funny is I think um, you know the, to my mind. You know, you'd, you'd expect in, a, in, a, in gaming, this is kind of true. I, I've seen it be true that like, I don't know about, I mean, in other product verticals, it's less true because I think like, you know, if you're talking about like in a, in a, in a, in a sort of um, like a Spotify, right. Or, um, you know, uh, uh, YouTube or something like the, the PM, that's like, just kind of like the manager of the team. They're not like an artist, right. They're, they're just like, yeah, I'm managing the team. I'm managing this. I'm like the CEO of this, this product, product feature or whatever, or the product. And I'm, I'm just sort of like, I'm, I'm building it in the best, you know, in the best way, um, you know, that produces like the most engagement and hopefully the most monetization and, and the most sort of general consumer content. But in games, like people think of themselves not as like the CEO of the product feature, or the CEO of the product, they think of themselves like the, the parent of the product, like it's that's their baby. And there's like, there's, there's this like artisanal attachment. And so it's been, I've seen it be really difficult actually to sort of like make that argument. Like, look, I need to be able to have some kind of agency over the product because if I don't, then we're not optimizing this to scale. And if we're not optimizing this to scale, then we're just hoping for whatever reason it generates a lot of like organic installs. And that's no way to run a business, right? Yeah, it's a buying buying lottery tickets. It's you know submit right. for the submit for the feature and you know say let's go. I, I so I, I here's the thing that I think with that is that you it's just like a an understanding of both sides. I think like the artisanal thing for sure. Um, you know I think good. It, it's really about like stack ranking these like growth or UA opportunities inside the mm-hmm. product stack rank. So yeah. you know you have to assume you know PM says okay these are the features that we think we can make. This is the you know potential upside we can have. Yeah. It's just that like, I think the way a lot of teams are operating right now um, is that that's not necessarily be, it's like, oh, the ability to spend an incremental 200K per month or, or you know, some permutation of that example where that's not really being considered like the opportunity cost of ability to scale, yeah. I don't think is really on a lot of people's minds. And so I think when you, when you see both teams kind of come together, um, I think that will happen more and that is going to have to happen more as, you know, as like the sort of privacy centric as this model changes. Yeah. And then also like, you know, you have to assume that Google is going to follow suit in some, in some way, shape yeah. or form. And that, and then it's like, that just happens and you need to be, I feel like the, the technical requirements just continue to, to go. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's, um, you know, in some ways, uh, social casino is, 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 is going to be impaired by this, but in some ways they're really well equipped. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the sort of successful social gaming, social casino companies are really well equipped to weather this because their PMs are that, uh, to have that, have that sort of constitution, oh, yeah. right. They have the mentality. It's like, I don't care what, you know, this, like, I, I, yeah. I don't have any sacred cows, right. Like that, that, that cannot be slaughtered. We can make any changes to this as long as it results in like a more performant, yeah. you know, product, more scale product. Uh, but, but, you know, right. You know, um, I would also say that like the best sort of game PMs I've worked with, like they really, really, really get the sort of growth dynamics of mobile. Yeah. Like the, without, the best what, ones are just question. like, they, they could, you know, they'll, they'll be like, well, what about, how does this impact the funnel? Like, how does this impact like, you know, the, the RVO campaign? Like they really understand how all that works. Like the d- dynamics of how, how all those things, um, you know, are kind of like, you know, l- linked in a dependent way. Um, yeah. And so working with them is super easy because like, they're like, Hey, no, what, what changes should we make? Right. To make this more scalable. Um, yeah. And not like, you know, not just sort of like constantly, um, you know, you know, sort of like trying to fight the UA team over, well, I mean, the, the extreme example of that would be like, why are you using that creative? It's not brand friendly, right? I mean, that, 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 I don't see that much anymore, but like, even to the extent of like, um, you know, no, there's no, still, I don't the, want hold to... on. There's, there's still the, like, I think the classic paradigm is, hey, these users you're acquiring for the app are bad. And then on right, the, and yeah. then on the growth side, it's like, hey, this product can't monetize, you know, like, I yeah. think that that's the, like the, the, the back and forth of like, ah, these users are bad, but the app's good. Yeah, I, th- I wrote an article about that one time. I think I called it like the death cycle. Like it's just, <laughs> and you get into this, you're like, well, no, you're bringing this, the wrong users. Like, well, no, the product's not, you know, sort of uh, monetizing people. I always said like the, the biggest UA uh, skill gap was just monetization, right? I mean, I think like if you think about any sort of skill 
um, that is in like low supply. It's how do you monetize a digital mobile first product? And there's just so few people in the world that can do that really, really well. Um, and consistently. You know, right? And consistently, right? Um, so did, did you see my, I had like a Twitter rant last weekend about uh, how UA is kind of like a dead end career. Yeah, I, I, I caught, I, I, it, was a, it was a rant, but yeah, I caught pieces. Did, did you agree with that or no? Do you? Yeah, I, I mean, like, as somebody who is, I, I mean, I, look, I'm going to say that. I mean, I like my entire team's going to DM me and be like, what the hell? Um, no, I don't. I, so look, I, I think that UA is, or, or quantitative performance marketing, I think it's part. I think that, like, the whole, the whole career is a dead end in that it will eventually be part of product and it won't exist. So, like, if all you know how to do is, you know, turn, all, turn campaigns on and off, you know, I think that's going to be a challenge, but like, if you can understand how value is created, if you can understand brand marketing, if you can understand all these other like ancillary pieces, then it's, then it's not a dead end. But I think it's like in the same way that, um, like being focused on any singular skill and yeah. not, and not having like any other, you yeah. know, like having one core competency, I think, yeah, like anything that, that you're bound to run into issues. But I think, yeah, we're seeing that with, you know, you, you're not, there, there's no like MZ model of 150 UA people yeah. going in and just like crunching it on one channel and like scaling. this. Yeah. like, I think that's just like such a fallacy. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's about like, okay, so yes, you understand UA, but that there has to be other understanding. And I think like eventually it's all, it's all product. Like if you have something that's engineered to grow, you know, paying for impressions is, is a, distinct skill set but it's not like right. it can't be the sole skill set there has to be a, a it is like a skill in a whole sort of basket right yeah right? i mean i yeah it, it's i think it, it's exactly that like it's it's that's very like you know if you think about like you know a ua manager like what what they do um is just based an expression of tactical trivia right hey i know how to set up a facebook video campaign Right. For the most part. And like, I know how to buy media on snap. Right. And or, you know, for, for the most, I mean, the, the, the sort of expression of what, of what they know is their job. Right. Now sure. there's, I, I think, you know, and so if you think about but I, my, my, that, that kind of rant, I think it was less about UA just being like a bad job to have. I think it's a good job to have. I mean, it exposed you to a lot of different pieces of, you know, a digital product, like a lot of, a lot of different pieces of, of running a, a business around a digital product. Um, the reason I think it, it just sort of, it, there's a ceiling though, is because at some point, you know, it, there tends to be this idea that, well, the real marketing leader in a company is really going to have to be um, someone with experience. And, and this is maybe like taking like the startup perspective on this, but even if you, even if you exclude that, like not a company that's growing into this, but like the real, the real leader um, marketing leader at a company is going to have to understand like the, the brand aspects of it and like the way that the, the, the product fits into the sort of consumer landscape, right? Yeah. How it creates, how the product creates value. Right. And that's going to be more important than this sort of like this sort of like tactical expression of this sort of like trivia, which is, Hey, a VO campaign does this, you know? And I think that's, that's where they're, and, and this is, this is a lack of, I think from a lack of imagination on the part of companies on a lot of, you know, company leadership and just from like this being a kind of nascent field, I mean, in, in, with respect to just like digital mobile, mobile, right? Yeah. Performance marketing, there just hasn't been, um, you know, that, that sort of like evolution of that role, which is like, well, hey, I have this kind of like little, little sliver of like growing the product user base. But, you know, as I've sort of gotten more, more sort of comfortable with the product and sort of more knowledgeable about the space, now I can sort of evolve into that sort of like bigger picture marketing executive versus like the person who just gets hired in because they were VP of marketing at some big company, big company X. And now they just have to learn about the mechanics of how UA works. It's thought that, you know, that going like, um, t you know, going, you know, becoming T-shaped in that way is easier than being yeah. a line and uh, becoming T-shaped. I don't know, but being, being a, a, a vertical line and going T-shaped is harder than being a horizontal line and going T-shaped. And I think actually it's not. I think being a T-shaped, be, sorry, being a, 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 a vertical line, it's easier to grow into a T-shaped uh, kind of professional. I think having like yeah. a very specific expertise and then sort of adopting that kind of like market view and understanding more of like the broader, you know, the sort of like broader landscape of, of that category and like in that, in that space that, you know, that that's easier to do than just saying like, I'm like a total generalist across the board. Um, and now I'm going to build that sort of knowledge base around 
around performance marketing because most mobile first companies they grow predominantly through through performance hey, marketing you yeah know, it's, it's, and it's not it's not like in that that sort of like that brand element allows them it unlocks more money to do that but still they're growing primarily through through paid right or, you know yeah so I think I, that, I, to take the I to T, hold on, to, just to jump in on that, the, the I to T thing, I, I think that the way, the way, like it, it, the way that it ought to go, you know, it may be like, yeah, you could sort of criticize all leaders in mobile for lacking imagination in the growth and in the UA field. Yeah, yeah like I think that exactly the, 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 the end of the I is, yeah, that, that's UA. And I think that the more time you spend, the more you know. It's more important to to like understand you like okay well how is value like all these different value chains that exist in mobile how are, how is value being created and captured and then like UA is just a, a sort of expression of that and sure like you said the tri the trivial or the trivial element of okay you this is the product this is the okay vo vo does this you know x product does y like those products will continue to be created that surface a variety of needs that will that you'll reach for when you need to accomplish x goal but understanding the like the broader like okay well why and what's actually going to generate us the value and what should we actually do in response to x y or z like a sort of broader thing i think is yeah like that that's easier to do after after the former yeah well i think here's the other thing too is is a, a ua team and i don't i don't mean to i don't mean to like sort of denigrate ua right like i think maybe i it sounded like that but i think a ua team should very very intimately know the audience right and they yes. know the scope of the audience too it's like well the reason like when we go after like when we try to like expand our our targeting parameters then these 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 metrics deteriorate and that's the problem right like so i know exactly where my kind of what what the sort of uh the diameter of my marketing scope is because when i go when i try to enlarge that these metrics deteriorate in a way that um sort of like undermines the sort of unit economics right and i think like so that that knowledge is so valuable and like i think it's a lot easier to take that deep intimate knowledge of the economics of the product and the sort of audience scope that supports th that economic profile it's a lot easier to take and like how, how what the sort of um what the sort of scalability of that is right what what is uh what what is like this how, how could that um be enlarged or reduced and change that underlying economic profile right it's like almost like the elasticity when i expand yeah. my targeting scope what happens and like how far can i ex expand my targeting scope before the under the underlying economics become become non-viable and how do i test yeah. the frontiers of that right so a ua team should totally understand that because that's that's just one big continuous um funnel like and that's again going back to this idea that like well ua ends when the user enters the product Right. I, I used to call that the event horizon. Like a lot of people think that like all knowledge just gets sucked in that black hole and it's no longer applicable. Well, no, I think that's what a lot of this, this trend towards like the growth team extending into the product. That's because people yeah. realize that's not true. The UA team understands the audience target impacts the underlying economics. Right. And so it's following that user from cradle to grave from the second they see the first ad to when they turn out, that's all one big sort of function of the work that the UA team is doing. Now also the underlying product too. But I think it's a lot easier to take that knowledge of that sort of product and knowledge of the audience scope, like the aperture of the sort of audience target and the elasticity of like when I change this target scope and increase it in this way, then the, the economics deteriorate by this much. It's a lot easier to then to go and say, well, I'm going to put a brand on top of this. And I'm, hopefully that just reduces my acquisition costs. Like I think it's a lot easier to do that than just saying like, yeah, well, and that's also like you see this happen, this manifest when you talk to brand agencies, right? Because what do they do? They don't follow up. They don't come in and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to sort of iterate on this brand and follow the economics and we're going to change it and we're going to adapt. They say, like, no, here's your brand materials. Pay us 100K. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was, uh, so that was, that was the rant part two. <laughs> rant part. No, it's true. It's completely true, though. So what do you – tell me, what, what do you think the ideal UA team looks like in 20 – I'm going to say 20, end of 2021 going into 2022? Uh, I mean, I, I think the joke was it's just an EC2 instance running on an AWS server and that's it. But I think that's you know very very far from that. I think it's more creative folks than anything. Um, it's creative data science and very small part media buying. So I think there'll be few media buyers, highly competent, and it, but those media buyers will start to look more like product folks. And then I think you'll have a data science that are tackling like longer tail challenges. Um, you'll have analysts who are focused on call it like shorter meteor, medium term questions, like, you know, more tactical, like, oh, how should we solve X, Y, or Z problem? Um, and then you'll have uh, a number of creative folks. I mean, and, and I think this depends on the type of, uh, you know, 
products that you're growing on mobile, like if there are things that require like CG, so like bringing in, you know, you're starting to see, I feel like a, a number of people in both in games and, and externally, you know, putting out really, for all measures, highly polished 3D, fully rendered um, type of marketing content. And that's like non-trivial to do in a quick turnaround. So I think you're going to continue to see a variety of creative talent, but I think there's going to be a decent amount of it. I think there's ways, um, you know, uh, to just streamline that a bit um, in terms of the tools you can build and the ways that you can get more for less when it comes to creative. And you can do that pretty thoughtfully and, and well, but I still think that there's, you know, a huge demand for creative production um, in on, on this side. And that's only going to continue as the, as, as the things change. So I'd say, yeah, like equal parts um, creative and, and data science analytics and engineering, and then smaller part, media buying do you think there's a new class of like so i mean data scientists you know mostly are are i think um product focused right i mean you you, I, you know there's a lot of I yeah mean, you, you, i guess you i mean saying that you meet a lot of like marketing data scientists but i think do you, are do you quite think that talented right yeah i mean do, do you think that evolves as like a uh, a much uh bigger talent pool my sense is like if you go and try to find a marketing data scientist, it's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be hard, right? I mean, it's, oh yeah, it's hard. I, it's, it's I, been, with the with the sort of like you know caveat that it's it's hard to hire a good data scientist. Period, right? But like if you wanted to specifically find a marketing data scientist who is experienced in marketing data science, that's that'd be very very. I mean, you would have a very hard time doing that. Yeah, because I think because you need like the skill of, oh, you because it, to do that, you need to understand how media is bought, all the gotchas, all the things yeah. that go into it. And I think that's just so infrequent. Yeah. And you, and, and also, like, I think the, the interesting is like all of the marketing data, it's all very expensive because you have to pay to learn. In, right, in many yeah. ways so so you kind of have to like as i think in any in any in any sense you kind of need to have been good enough to not screw up and then you know been fortunate enough to have had an opportunity to learn enough and that's why like i'm, I'm really obsessed with this idea that like every every impression you buy is an opportunity to learn on many fronts whether it's creative or or not or just even mm -hmm. from like structurally so to be really good on the data side like you know a good data scientist in marketing i think is also super you need to have been a, you need to have been at a place at a time that spent a decent amount of money to have yeah. a data set or multiple data sets to learn and then known how to ask the right questions or worked with folks who were asking the right questions of you because I think like it's you know uh, what is ceteris uh, paribus like all else being equal I don't think necessarily that a data scientist that role is necessarily thinking about the top of funnel. I think that, that, that you see it's more, oh, someone's thinking about the product. It's not always the case that, that someone's thinking about, oh, well, how are people showing up here and how is that changing and, and how can we optimize that? But I think that's going to change over time. Like, yeah, I think you're going to see more people who are interested in that. Well, I, I, think, I think so because the de demand's going to be there, right? And I think people specialize for that reason. Um, but you're totally right. Sure. That's actually, it's, it's funny because, you know, that, that kind of is um, what you just described uh, is sort of like an alternate perspective on one of my biggest pet peeves, which is that, you know, someone sees a CV of someone from like, oh, they were growth at Facebook or, oh, they were growth at Pinterest or they were growth at Twitter. Or, they were growth at, you know, Snapchat and they must be really great because look how successful that company is. Right. And like, there's just so many, there's so many reasons why that may not be true. Like for the, for one thing, um, you know, these are massive companies and, you know, like a lot of times, you know, there, you know, CV inflation is a thing, right? And so you say you were growth at XYZ and, and actually what you were doing was you were like, I'm the, I'm the person who opens this spreadsheet and copies the contents and puts it into this spreadsheet, right? I mean, you don't know what, what is that, what did that role entail, right? Like there's 50 people on the team. Second is like, well, you had this momentum of all this sort of like uh, organic adoption, right? And so you were not, you were not fighting for inches. You were not, you were not op trying to optimize every single uh, cent of spend, right? Because like, you know, you, you had the, you had those tailwinds, right? Yeah. And, and, and then, the, and then the last thing um, is that, you know, you had the benefit of this massive user base. So you want to go and you want to test something. It takes you 
30 seconds, you know, you'll have a <laughs> yeah, you spin, it, spin, up a te- spin up a test. You just quicker than you can turn it on and off manually. You've right. already hit stat sig on whatever it is you're trying to do. That's interesting. I never thought about that. But, and then you think about some small company, like a smaller company that was scaling profitably, you know how much harder that is, you know, profitable, I mean? like, sc- profitable scaling with r- like realistic unit economics and like not irresponsible, ir- irresponsible stewardship of capital, I think right. is something that's super hard to, it's like, you can't look at their CV and say like, Oh, insert X company. Like, Oh, did the, you, you will, you practically need to know like, okay, well, like how much did they raise? Did they scale profit? Like, was this person, right. I did this person actually, cause it's, it's really easy to spend money on mobile. But I think it's really hard to spend money on mobile and do it in a way that you don't lose money over yeah, some mean, time horizon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, from a career development standpoint, I mean, whenever I talk to people, I'm just like, be good at picking. Like, if you're good at picking a company that takes off, you're set. You're go- you're still golden because um, you've got that you've got that anchor on your CV. It's like, oh yeah, I was uh, working at Facebook and. 2010 is like, whoa, you know, this, this, that person is never going to be poor. <laughs> right. You know I mean? Like yeah. they're never going to struggle um, in no matter what they were doing. Right. And then, you know, but like, or you don't, you don't agree. Uh, no, I, I am, I'm, I'm humming and hawing here. I, it, I guess it depends on the time horizon. Like I, I think that, you know, if you were early someplace that did really well, I think that, if you are like reasonably capable, you can parlay that success into future successes. But I get, and maybe this is just the idealist where I kind of have to believe that if you're crappy, that over time, like you just, like you just can't keep, you know, using that, like, Hey, I was here early and like, it has to come out in the same way that somebody who didn't like hit that meteoric, you know, who didn't hit that home run. Like it's it's way easier if you only swing for home runs. Totally agree. But I think there's, I have to believe that there is like, if you are a, if you're like actually good, that that success follows that, but maybe not. Maybe that's like the the optimistic Canadian in me. It'll just it'll rise to Well, the problem the problem is being good at you know UA or being like people could be really good at. The, and I've seen this happen a lot of people. They get they get caught in this trap of like they're really good at their job, um, and they just made some terrible decisions about who to work with, right? I mean, they just made off, and they just kept going from crappy company to crappy company. And a lot a lot of times with um, a big title change attached. They're like, oh, yep. I can go be, I'm, I'm, you know, a nobody at this company, and now I can be head of marketing at this company. And they go there, and there's nothing they can do. They can't, they can't do their job well because the company doesn't, the product doesn't work. It can't be scaled, right? And they're just struggling with that, and they're hitting their head against the wall. And now they're, now they've been head, head of marketing at a failed startup that no one's ever heard of, and that's actually a bad position to be sort of like interviewing from. But I, I but I would say that that's like you, you. I would criticize that and say like, okay, there's as like going into that, you know, when, when you're like, okay, I have, you know, been mediocrely successful somewhere and, and I'm interested. It's like, why are you going to that place to be head of whatever? Unless like, I, I guess I think part of that, part of that is like, I, I kind of put that on, you know, whomever is to say like, okay, well, like what, are, like, are you jumping, jumping for that higher title is like, ah, uh, is that, I guess, yeah, that's one way to progress your career. I guess I, I'm, I'm of the mind that like all things follow results. So if you're looking at a potential opportunity and you don't think you can get results, like I mean, maybe that's not always evident from the outset. And maybe that's like, I'm well, no, getting... I'm with you. I'm, I, I'm totally, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be title chasing. I mean, I, I feel like you should be going to work at a place that is gonna, um, you know, the sort of rising tide hopefully is going to raise your boat. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you want to be at the company that's just driving the most sort of like successful total outcome. Cause that's ultimately going to benefit you more than taking a big risk on a startup just because you're getting a bigger title. Right. I mean, 100%. that's like one of the, you know, that's, and that's a, that's an, a, a lesson that I learned the hard way. Right. I, I, I jumped to a startup, you know, got exactly ahead of marketing title and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. But I hedged my bets. I started writing mobile dev memo. Cause I'm like, if this, fails no one's going to have any proof that i'm any good right no proof will exist because this company just died and so i better start publishing some stuff right so that there (laughs) is to validate that i'm that i may not be there are there are artifacts here that kind of prove that i'm like i know what i'm talking about because if the company and the company did it went to zero like it it was a startup that went to zero and that happened and and that does happen um yeah so i i just my thinking at the time was like if i don't have anything to prove that i know what i'm talking about and this company goes to zero and it was it was a company that was like it was it was going for a major home run right i mean it was like out you know out of the ballpark kind of home run and so like yeah there was a higher probability that just going to zero right 
Um, and so I knew that like, hey, if this goes to zero, there's, there's no proof anywhere. Like I'll go and interview and like, oh, you're head of marketing at the company and went to zero. That means you destroy value. <laughs> yeah, right? that, that means, yeah, yeah, that you may, I think that's the other dangerous thing with this, like, especially with UA, it's like very, you know, they're like, oh, cool. You know, anybody who's trying to evaluate, you know, somebody, that's why I'm, you know, like I always like to, especially when I'm hiring, I like make it a huge point to like, I probably waste a lot of time, but I like talk to a lot of people um, just because I, I feel like I'm aware of that other effect where it's like, oh, you can have rock solid people that early on in their career just placed a really bad bet yeah, on where, but they're right. actually good if, if given the opportunity. Right. Um, but it's like how, how you look at that and it's like, okay, well then how are you, how are you driving your career after that? Especially in our, like yeah. in this kind of like the, in the performance space or like in the growth, if you want to call it the growth space, I feel like yeah. this whole, like all these titles are, are so nebulous. Yeah. And inflated most of the time too. And I think that's, after- I think that's a challenge. It's on the data it's side also, too, oh, like yeah. I, I see a lot of data, like data titles. Like I think it's, I think that's a challenge for for me. Just thinking about like, hey, how do how do you think about data? Because like, or even even like even without like the inflationary aspect, but just the denomination of like, oh, data scientist at X. Yeah. You know, it's like I I I can I, again, you know, won't I, I can't even remember the name, but I remember talking to somebody once and saying like, oh, data science, awesome. Um, and we were talking about Python. I was like, oh, great. So like you know, what's the package of choice, scikit, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah. oh no, like it was like they, like I said, scikit learn. And to me, that's like the most generic off the yeah. shelf. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. It's like, that's like the first import statement. Yeah. A- and they looked at me like they didn't know what I was talking about. And they also didn't write R, like they wrote Python. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. And then I was like, oh yeah. And I immediately jumped to like, oh, TensorFlow. Then you're like, you know, next. And they're like, no, what's that? I was like, hmm. yeah. data science. Right. Well, it's funny because one time I was interviewing someone with like a graduate degree in, uh, I think it was like statistics from super prestigious university. And, and I just got this weird feeling during the, during the, during the, during the interview. And I was like, what's, what's Bayes' theorem? And, and just, just total like melt that, like, no, like not even really trying to walk it through. Like there's no, there was no answer. It was just that question went on and I'm like, come on. Right. Like this is not, that was, this interviews, this was a, this was an unsuccessful interview for you. Um, Hey, okay. So why don't we end on, uh, on a, on a different kind of note. So tell me what, uh, so we, you know, we talked about like the kind of, um, this sort of tectonic shift that's happening and, you know, just the environment's changing and there's things that like implementations of this, this sort of performance marketing approach that are changing. What what do you what do you do? How do you how do you upskill? How do you how do you sort of advance your own career development? And I'm I'm not talking about like well you know the IDFA blah blah. So now we're doing that. I mean like what kind of skills do you sort of acquire for your own sort of the benefit of your own career? You're gonna laugh at this one. First one I was gonna say was listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, listening. And now it's kind of that's kind of a meme choice. Yeah, listening. Um, but I do think that's like the most underrated skill anyone could yeah. ever have. But beyond that, just spending more time like descriptive stats and then code arch- or code architecture and design patterns. I think as you see more people who sort of morph like they're on the analysty side, but you know, they write, you know, they can write Python, they understand how to do things, but just because you know how to write Python and have an understanding of stats, when you start to get into these things that end up being more robust and you start to build tools for yourself that are going to be used by more than just yourself or by a studio for multiple years, you like writing what I had an engineer, an engineer call my spaghetti string code. Um, at one point a a while back I was like, okay, this is definitely a thing. And so I, I think that for organizations, as you start to get more people who are contributing to code bases that end up needing to be robust, like that's something that I kind of think about because like design patterns and just code architecture, you know, for somebody who's also, you know, more spending time on, on the leadership of a studio and, you know, function and functions within that studio versus like, Hey, I'm going to go and YOLO some, uh, GitHub commits to master. Hopefully I don't break anything. You know, I think that you definitely want to be very far away from that line. Um, but I think that's a balance. And so like, as you develop and as you have, you know, more responsibility and more impact, wherever it is, I think there's like that balance between always maintaining and being at least passably technically competent. Yeah. Because at a point you just become so div- divorced from reality that it's like you just become, yeah, I just don't see where you can provide value. Right. Like 
if if all you think about is UA, that's all you're ever gonna do. But on the flip side of that, you still need to be fairly, you know, like fifty meters above ground level to understand right. everything, right? Right, yeah. Um Conrad, thank you so much for this conversation. How can people find you on online? LinkedIn, and that's about it. I honestly am so horrible at my own personal presence. It's literally you, you can you, find me on LinkedIn. You, you I, 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 I will a head of brand. <laughs> yeah, I need to hire. Yeah, I need to hire my own head of brand. Because clearly, I've got no idea what I'm doing. No. Yeah, I need to. Uh, that's probably a to-do list item. I'll put that on my uh, to-do list. But LinkedIn is the only way you can find me. I'm probably the only All person right. with a McGee stock hyphenated last name. Uh, yeah, I think you probably are. Uh, Conrad, thank you so much, buddy, for this conversation. It was really great. Thanks, Eric. Awesome. Take care. You too.